Our scripture reading this morning uh, comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. And it reads, If you point these things out to brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. instructing him in how to um, address issues in the church in Ephesus. And he begins by talking about uh, addressing false teachings in the church in, in the first two chapters, and he moves then to instructions on how to select leaders and in how, in how to do worship. But here in chapter 4, he comes back to this issue of false teaching. And in the beginning of chapter 4, he reminds uh, Timothy, he says, look, he says, the Spirit clearly says in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So, so Paul says, look, Timothy, there will be false teachings. That's just the way it is. So don't be surprised by that. In today's world, we shouldn't be surprised by the fact that there's false teaching." It's out there, and, and then Paul goes on, and he instructs Timothy again on how to approach false teaching. And he reminds Timothy of the truth that he has been taught. Because remember, Timothy grew up in a Christian home. His mother and his grandmother taught him the Word of God. And Paul says, look, Timothy, continue to encourage, um, to, um, to, to uh, remember the truths that you have been taught and the good doctrine that you have followed. One of the things that, uh, that you see as you read this text today is that one of the things that I was challenged with is, What am I feeding my mind? What are the things that I am putting in there? You know, what am I nourished by? What am I feeding on? As Paul says, remember, Timothy, the things you were taught, the things that you put into your mind. So my question to us this morning is, what are the things that you're putting into your mind? What are the things you're reading? What are the podcasts you're listening to? What, what, what are the, the, the radio shows you're listening to? What, what, are the, what are the social media things that you're following? Those are the things we're putting into our minds. And whatever the diet that I put into my mind is determines my health. The things that I read, the things I put in, determines my spiritual health. 
What are the things I'm putting my hope into? And oftentimes the things we're putting our hope in are the things that we're putting into our minds. Because what we feed on determines how effective we will be as followers of Christ. Remember Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that I have been created in Christ Jesus. I love the NLT. The NLT says... You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared for us to do. And whatever I put into my mind determines how effective I will be and how close that I will do the things that I have been created to do. You know, this... This book that we have is the greatest book that was ever written. It is the greatest gift we as humanity have ever received. Because this word gives us insight into how to live life. That's why Paul keeps reminding Timothy to nourish himself, to be in the word. Yeah, the, the, the intro um, video is one of, my, one of my favorite psalms. And it says just, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinner. Basically what Paul is saying, be careful what you fill your mind with. He says, But his delight... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. For the psalmist says, as believers, we we must delight ourselves in this book and, and in what is in this book. And we must meditate on it day and night. Because this is where life, this is how we ought to feed our mind. This is how we will stay emotionally and spiritually healthy. Not that there's anything wrong with with, with podcasts and social media and things like that, but I see us feeding ourselves way too much with that stuff. This is what we feed on. This is what we must delight ourselves on and meditate on day and night. And the psalmist says, that person will be like a tree planted by streams of water and which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. When we feed on the word, we are emotionally and spiritually healthy. We must, as Paul says, as he instructed Timothy, understand sound teaching. Be in the word, read it, then do what it says. What are you feeding your mind with? 
Let's back to Ephesians 2, verse 10. When I feed my mind correctly, and I read Ephesians 2, 10, he says, for we are God's masterpiece. You see, when I read his word and when I study it, I begin to understand that I am God's masterpiece. And that I have been created in Christ Jesus to do good things which he has prepared in advance for me to do. And if I'm not in the word, if I'm not studying, I will never understand what God has created me to do. And all the things he's prepared for me. And I will miss incredible blessings of the things that God has intended for me to be and the ones to fulfill through me but that takes a lot of reading a lot of studying a lot of meditating but boy when you do this book can be life changing but if you're not in it it can't change you feed on the word Paul tells Timothy, feed on it, study it, understand it. You were brought up in these truths and these good teachings. Then Paul goes on, he says, verse 7, but but have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. You know, they're, they're... in today's world, there, there are so many distractions that we give attention to. And evidently, in the first century, there were also a lot of distractions that were happening and a lot of things that you could get involved in, conversations we could be in, involved in, old wives' tales. Be careful, Paul says, that you don't get caught up. And, and this must have been pretty important because in, in, in verse 1, or in chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay in Ephesus so that you may command certain men to not teach false doctrines, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Paul says, Timothy, don't get caught up in these things. And these myths exist today. They exist in every generation. Paul says this talk is worthless. Again, are you nourishing yourself on God's word? I can say this because I get to leave here in a little bit and not come back. What I see us doing as believers in many cases... And I've seen this escalate over the last probably four or five years. Is our appetite for conspiracy theories. And our chasing after those things. And being consumed by those things. Where we're spending more time trying to prove other people wrong. And trying to prove some of these these things that are going on in the world. Than we are in the word of God. And it's taking us to places that are unhealthy. 
How much time are you spending scrolling and looking and finding answers to your arguments so that you can prove other people wrong? How much time are we spending doing this, mindless things that keeps us from studying God's Word? That keeps us from what Paul is telling Timothy to do. And I worry for the church today that we are becoming more and more biblically illiterate and better versed in the conspiracies that are happening in the world. That was just my two cents. But I think there's a real danger because, you see, our mandate as the church is not necessarily to figure out what's going wrong in the world. Our mandate from Jesus was to make disciples, to go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them. It wasn't a chase after conspiracies and myths that, that exist around us. Are you nourishing yourself with the Word of God? Are you giving daily time to the Word of God so that you can be nourished, strong, well-fed, Are you like that tree that is planted by streams of water? Yielding fruit in season. Paul says, don't give yourself to those things. Rather, he says, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself. And Paul's now giving an example. He says, look, get, let me give you an example, he says. Training your body is valuable. You, you know, exercise, working out, eating right. Paul says, you know, those are all good and important He says training the body has some value, but he says training for godliness holds a promise for eternity. It's not just for this lifetime. Godliness holds value for this life and the life to come. We live in a really health-conscious world. We're careful what we eat. Well, some of you are. You exercise, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes intentionality to stay physically fit because we have to always be thinking about what we're eating. We have to always be thinking about when am I going to get my workout in? You know, when am I going to run, or when am I going to lift, or when am I going to walk? Or when am I... We have to be intentional. 
or it will never happen. Training for godliness is the same way. And are are you training yourself for godliness? How evident is it in your life that you are training for godliness? If I were to run a marathon, which I really don't, but even if I were to run a 5K... That takes a lot of time on my part and a lot of planning. And in the end, it will, it will show whether or not I trained or prepared myself. Because if I don't train for a 5K and I go out and run, I might either die or I can run in 45 minutes. You know, it's one or the other. If I've trained, maybe I can run it for me in less than 30 minutes or I can run it in 25 minutes or some of you could run it maybe in 17 or 18 minutes. But if I don't train, it will show up. Training ourselves in godliness is the same way. If I don't train myself in godliness, it's going to show up in my life. And so in the last week, as you think about training yourself in godliness, how much time have you spent in prayer? How much time have you spent studying God's word? How much time have you spent uh, fostering community? Because it shows up. It shows up how well we love the people around us. It shows up how well we serve the people around us. It shows up in, in me sharing the gospel. Do I even have a desire to share the gospel? Do I care about lost people? Does, does my heart break for, for lost people? Or am I too consumed with other things? Because... When I'm training myself in godliness, it will be evident in the way I live out my life. But it's just like training myself for a marathon or 5K. It takes time it takes commitment it takes intentionality it takes me scheduling in my day i am going to nourish myself spiritually this time of the day because if we don't do that at least i'm talking to myself here is if i don't do that if i don't schedule that into my day it's never going to happen because life happens and things happen and i get into my day and i get to the end of the day and i'm dead tired and i think about it, it's like where has my time with god been today it has not been existent and i have those days I just must be careful that that's not every day. So if I have one of those days, tomorrow I have to to resolve myself to tomorrow that's not going to happen. I need to get back to nourishing myself in God's Word. 
Timothy says in verse 9, This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. Train yourself in godliness. He reiterates, he reemphasizes the fact that it's really important that I train myself in godliness. Because when I train myself in godliness, it gives me direction for life. It gives me direction for my day. Because you will know the things that God is inviting you into when you're in the Word, when you're studying, when you're praying. Because as Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, this word is like, the, like, like, an, like an old lantern. And that's what this, this text is talking about in, in, in Psalm 119. God's word gives us enough light to take one step at a time. And as I'm in it, he lights the path for me and the path that I must take. See, so often what I'm doing, what I want to know is I want to know what's at the end of the path. I want a spotlight that takes me right to the end of the path. What God says is, no, I want faithfulness. I want you just to be in the Word. I want you to be studying because as you study it, as I'm in the Word, it gives me enough light to take one step at a time. And following Jesus is a one step at a time, one act of faithfulness at a time, and one day I get to where God is inviting me into. The things that he has prepared for me to do in advance. But I must be in this word, training myself in godliness. Paul then closes this section with with a very important word of motivation. Why do we do this? What's going to make me take time to nourish myself? To feed on God's word. To decide to follow it and to do something. And, And here's the answer. Verse 10, he says... And for this we labor in strive, that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. So why do we do this? Because our hope is in the living God. I love the way the NLT says this. He says, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle, because our hope is in the living God. We labor and we strive, Paul says, because of the hope that we have. And and the the, the words labor and strive, those indicate that this is something that requires effort. It's something that requires commitment and decision and action. I can't just drift slowly into God then is where one day it's like, oh my goodness, I'm following Jesus. It's not the way it works. It is a day-by-day struggle, striving, working to become more like Jesus. It doesn't just happen. 
You can't get up one morning and, and, and say, oh, wow, I feel godly today. And one day just be spiritually mature. It's kind of like when we have a hobby. So, so I've, I, have, I have a couple of hobbies. Uh, one is knife making. I haven't done it in a while, but, but when I started making knives... Man, I watched YouTube videos, I read, I looked at other guys' knives, I, 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 I talked to Tim Troyer and, and people who made knives, and I just, I, I read everything I could about making knives. And then I began to make knives. It was like, but it took a lot of time. When I started roasting coffee about 10 years ago, I read everything I could about coffee. I studied it, I practiced, I tried, trial and error. Sometimes it went good, sometimes it didn't. But man, I studied hard. Because it was something I was passionate about. And when Paul says we labor and we strive, that's what he's talking about. I must study. I must ask questions. I must, I, I, I must find a mentor, somebody that, that I can look up to, that can, that can help me along this path. I have to be intentional every day. I have to make time. But like I said, you must be very deliberate in this. You have to choose to do it. We must pursue holiness as a people of God. You know, Romans 12. Paul tells a church in Rome, he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. And what Paul is saying here is, look, he's just spent the first 11 chapters of Romans telling us about the beauty of Christ and what all Christ has done and what his death on the cross meant and what his resurrection meant. And he says, therefore, because of what Christ has done, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I love the way the message says it. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're waking up. And place it before God as an offering. And he goes on, he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't do what the world is doing. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the way our minds are transformed is through the word of God. And he says, when our minds are transformed, when they are renewed, then we are able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The question is, are we willing to lay our lives on the altar, placing them before God? And say, Lord, here I am. Use me.
So what should motivate us toward godliness, towards training ourselves to be godly? It's because our hope is set on an encounter with a living God. Every time I, I sit down to get in the Word and to pray, I am encountering a living God, a holy living God. And as I sit down more and more to do that, he gives me direction for life, and he begins to give me a passion for lost souls. Do I have a passion for lost people? Do I care that people are dying and going to hell? Not if I'm not in the Word. Not if I'm not pursuing this living God that sent His Son to the cross to die for me. But as you draw closer to this living God, then you will begin to, to live an exciting, scary, fruitful life. Because God, when we are in His Word, when we are pressing into Him, He will ask us to do some, some really hard, scary things. But what's exciting about it is, is we do them if we're faithful, and then we see how God used us in this thing that He invited us into. I think the reason a lot of people are bored with their faith today is because they never live out their faith. They never do anything that requires faith. They never do anything crazy for God because they don't ask. And my question for all of us as I, as I ponder this last verse is, do I believe that I at one time was hopelessly lost. A sinner bound for hell. And do I believe that at one point when I said yes, I was forgiven and, and made acceptable before God through Christ's death and resurrection? And do I believe that when that happened, when I said yes to this Jesus, that I was empowered with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit began, came and began to live within me? And do I believe that one day I am headed to spend eternal glory with Him in heaven? Because this is what should make the difference that all of us take a step back and we recognize that I was once a sinner bound for hell. And one day Jesus drew me to himself and I said yes. And from that day on, I was filled with the Spirit and I was promised this eternity with Jesus. And now I should, out of my love for him, because of the hope I have, strive to know him and become more like him and to invite as many people into that relationship as I possibly can. Are you pressing in to the Father? Are you reading his word? Are you meditating on it? Are you allowing it to change you?
Is he your living hope? And so if he is your living hope, then let's strive to commit ourselves to training ourselves to be godly and allowing him to transform and to change us into who he wants us to be. And then God will use us as masterpieces to do the things that he's prepared in advance for all of us to do. Let's train to be godly. Thanks for listening. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word we thank you for your goodness and your mercy thank you that you sent your son to die for us and that you are our living hope and lord together help us to strive to become more like you for you bless the church family here at mca as they together strive to become more like you Lord, that we just continue to glorify you and be a light in this community for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.